everyone, and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is a show where we take a K-drama, we watch it two episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episodes... Oh, shoot, I actually don't know the number that we watched. Was it seven and eight? Yes. That we watched? Nice. I do know the numbers of Reply 1988. That's the hard part. I mess up the name of it every time. I don't know why. It's <laughs> it's such a good show, Raquel. Oh my god. It's so good. This show, I could live inside. I could just live inside and watch it forever. If they had done seven seasons in a movie, it still might not be enough. Because this show's so good. It's so good. I want to be here forever in this moment. Yeah. It's... I can't tell how much time has passed in show since the first episode, not because they haven't told us every episode what month it is, but because I haven't paid attention, and I'm bad. I did just have the thought that it seems a little messed up that we're approaching the new year really rapidly, like they've got technically like a week left of the month of December. It's not going to be 1988, right? Yeah, I... I'm Unless so the rest unclear. of the series is like one day of the week, like a half a day. I don't of the think week. so. I assume it's the just like around the year nineteen eighty eight. Mm, that's fair. I guess I just don't Maybe really. I like, don't think they can do anything wrong. So I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> they can do whatever year yeah. they want. That it's just called Reply nineteen eighty eight, but that's <laughs> meaningless. What what it is is it's these people here. Okay, and it started in nineteen eighty eight, but it doesn't have to end there. See, I think my confusion started last episode when Bora was in on the protests, and I looked up the student protests of the 1900s, and the biggest one around that time was in 87, and I was like, wait, mm. isn't this show in 88? And so I looked up the synopsis, and it said that Reply 1988 was set in the late 1980s but not super time-specific, which I was like, they put a timestamp on every single episode that says it's in 88, but yeah. the protests are in the potentially wrong year, or they just went on a lot longer than, I don't know, Wikipedia or wherever I looked said. So yeah. I'm not bothered by the time. I've already given up. They also had the Olympics, though, which happens on even years. Not obvious. Yeah, so. that one's definitely 88. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we don't, we're not holding them to anything because they're doing immaculate work here. So honestly, what's a timeline? What is a time? <laughs> what's a year? Why would we even worry? At, Reply 1988 is more of a vibe than an actual year, you yeah. know? Like 1988 is just the vibe. It's just the vibe. Because are we going to see these kids graduate? I don't, I don't know. I'll be sad. Who's to say? Maybe we should spend the rest of the series in just the week leading up to New Year's, because I don't want to see any of these people grow up and change. Graduating high school is such a shift in your life, where it feels like everything changes overnight. I don't want that for these kids. Nope, nothing ever changes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like they just kind of hang out forever and live in their neighborhood forever, <laughs> and if you're like... Bora or um shoot all of a sudden I can't think of Jung Hwa's older brother's name. Jung Jung Bong. Uh, Jung Bong. If you're either of them, you after you graduate you also continue living in the neighborhood. So That's true. You can rest assured that they're probably still chillin'. But who's to say maybe it tells us at the end, like what they all go on to do sandlot style. Aww. It's like and and uh 
Why can't I think of any of the characters in Sandlot? I don't know any of the, anything about Sandlot. That's such a Utah you, thing. <laughs> yeah. Have you never seen Sandlot? I've seen pieces of it. Yeah. It is it is a really solid movie that I love a lot. Uh, but I also know it is one of those... It's heavy... It feels like heavy Utah culture to have watched it as many times as I did. It was one of those ones that my mom also liked, and so she Aww. was always stoked when we bust out, busted out the VHS of it, right? Where she was, like, happy to just have it on, and, like, if it was on TV, she would just have it on TV, because it's, like, one of those those good, good, feel-good films. But yeah, at the end, they tell you what all the kids, like, when they all, like, left the neighborhood and what they all got up to, and... It's maybe they'll do something like that, and there's a part of me like you where I'm like, I don't want to know that. Don't tell me. Just, <laughs> just keep them here forever, trapped in this yeah, little diorama. The passage, of, the passage of time is too harrowing. Please don't tell me about it. <laughs> but that's a very '80s thing to do too: is finish every show or movie with like a, a freeze frame. Here's what this person went on to do. Yeah. It'll be cute. It'll be sad, but it'll be cute. I just, I need them to give up on the whole, like, future couch thing, the 2015, like, seeing everyone in the future and pretending that the husband is not Jung Hwan. So we get to see Bo Ra. We get to see Noel. These are cute. I have never laughed so hard as when Noel came out. <laughs> And he's played by the famous actor that's in every single show. He always plays a cop. He's a total sweetheart, and we love him. I did. There was a little bit of me that thought they would have the same actor playing Noel, and I thought I that thought would so also too. be funny. I thought it would have been really funny if they had made the joke that he looks really old when he's 17 and then he never aged again yes. like he just stayed like because they made that joke to him when he looked a lot older than all of them um like oh haven't aged a day don't listen to don't listen to whoever uh -huh. um but also I, I do. I love the direction they went with it. I do feel like it was a missed opportunity to just have him played by the same person forever. Like, like no, will never changed. It literally so never good. aged again. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love who they had. But can we start having the other boys filter in? We know she didn't marry Dong Yang. We know she didn't marry Sun Woo. Like, let's get them in here. Let's get everybody in yeah. the living room, please. Please, yeah. Um, well, I figure they can't do Sun Woo yet until he and Bo Ra obviously get together or whatever the case may be. And then maybe Sun Woo will show up um, and be hanging out with Bo Ra in the, during the couch interview or something. He's just got a Bjorn with like five kids in it. He's just covered in children because you know that's all he wants yes freaking adorable with his little sister and he'll just oh carry that into into how cute he is with his own kids so cute sunwoo do you like sunwoo and bora together do you like that shit mm, i'm fine with it i have i feel pretty ambivalent about it to be honest but i think they're doing some cute stuff with it so i there's nothing where i'm like stop don't do this. This is bad. Um, 
And I don't even mind, like, because I didn't really ship Sunwoo and Duck Sun. That's right, Duck Sun. Nice, thank you. <laughs> um, damn it, every week. I need to just have Asian Wiki pulled up in front of my GD face. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, uh, I I didn't ship them, and so I I'm fine with the fact that they're doing the Sunwoo uh, romance romance with Bora. But yeah, I, I it's not maybe like my ship. I'm not like attached to it, but I I don't hate it. What do you? How do you feel about it? About the same. Which I think feels crazy because I'm usually monkey brain feral for any ship. I'm like, oh, oh, these two might like each other. Here we go. I'm in. But these two, I'm like, it's fine. I like that it might soften up Bora a little bit. I like that it might mature Sunwoo a little bit. But but outside of that, I'm like, it's just, it, fe- it feels fine. feels pretty lukewarm. Yeah. 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 I don't dislike it maybe as much as I initially thought I would, because I was kind of okay with them just having her be like, ah, not reciprocated. Okay, bye. Yeah. But the way they've they've set it up, I think, is good. It's interesting. And um, I'm not, like, stoked when they have a big, long Bo-Ra Sun-Woo, like, uh, I don't know, series of stories but at the same time yeah i don't know it's good it's fine i I like it good vibes all around (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's where i'm at i didn't it's like i don't mind the kiss i wasn't mad at any of their scenes together it's fine but um i can we talk about one of the most painful scenes i've ever seen in television history please tell can i try and guess what it is as like a fun game a little mini game play on k will be right back hey listeners i just wanted to hop in and tell you about our new affiliate soul box it's a subscription box where you get snacks and things straight from korea we're so excited to be affiliated with them now If you're looking for additional ways to support our little podcast, then go to playonk.com slash affiliates and look for Soulbox and buy through our link. Okay, back to the show. Was it when Dioksun and um, Take were on the phone? No! It wasn't? Because that was really tough on me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Was it during the interview? No. Okay, so there's a couple. There's a couple that I'm out here just like, hey, what? Let me present some ideas to make you uncomfortable, maybe, in retrospect. It's working. I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) I remember those. Yeah, but I feel like those are cringy. One's cringy funny. One's cringy sweet. One is just cringy, cringy. And it was the police station scene. Oh, that was awful. How did? How was that not my first guess? You probably it went on it for so memory. long. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was one thing to have that as a storyline. It was a complete other ball game for them to make it like a third of an episode. It was so long. The people just kept coming. They just kept walking through that door. Awful. Painful. I hated it so much. I yeah. I went like had a sit down with my husband and was like, "Let me decompress. I had to tell you about this scene." 
<laughs> I need to unload. You sit down, I'll sit down. Here's the worst thing that's ever happened in this show. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so sad that this, like, it's sad to watch Duxun and her mom be so judgmental of this young woman who's who's clearly hardened by the world and you're like you're sitting two feet from her can you i don't know she's 16 can you not be the adult in this situation that's like hey two kids don't fight like that's that's the rules i'm gonna hold you both to the same standard and say i'm mad at both of you you two shouldn't fight that's it but instead you're gonna sit there and be like my daughter is precious and somebody hit her and it's probably this girl with the dyed hair and like it's so judgmental and awful in that way that like women can be judgmental and awful towards each other and then the dad comes in and makes it verbal, makes it all right in your face, like, bre- takes that level up. And then the principal comes in and he takes it to a whole different level where he's like, we're not being loud anymore. We're not being catty anymore. We're sending you straight to prison. We are being cruel at this point. And it's like, you guys, stop. Please. Please just leave these people alone. Leave these two girls alone. Like, I even... I'm all for being protective toward your baby brother, right? Like, I did not mind that he... As soon as the tears came out, that Jackson was not asking questions. She was only throwing fists. (laughs) It was hilarious. And, like, solid, right? Because um, the closest thing I had to uh, little brothers were... Your husband and his younger brothers growing up. Uh, I was the youngest in my family. And I, um, I, to this day, Craig will make jokes because, like, one time Craig implied that, like, and it wasn't even the case. It was just enough of an implication that I got defensive on behalf of Jason, but, like, Craig implied, like, that there was, like, some rules in a D&D game that we're all playing together that, like, he disagreed with. And I immediately was like, Jason's never done anything wrong. Did it? Like, <laughs> I, I, like, went hardcore protective mode. And to this day now, Craig is still like, all right. So in order, your protectiveness goes <laughs> Jason, Eve, <laughs> and then, like, Emily and Lauren, and then me. And I was like... Mm. yes <laughs> yes maybe um so i like i know what it's like to immediately throw fists at even like the first wisp of air like that could possibly harm a baby brother in that sense um but it like it was very solid that it was Jackson. like it something about it like she's got that that middle child whatever no no until energy about her like until this point at which case people will be put in their graves <laughs> yes it's like she's completely oblivious to his pain for that whole scene and you're so <laughs> worried for him until they cross the line and then it's like immediate it's an immediate turnaround and it feels <laughs> so good and it, yeah it's all very good and funny 
until they get to the police station. And then it's the worst. Like, I don't know if the scenes just didn't age well or if they shouldn't age well. I don't know if it's still like that. If people get end up in that exact scenario in 2023, if the same vibes would still be there of like, if these women come in and they're young and they're, they've got makeup and they've got dyed hair, we immediately don't trust them. We don't like them. We don't think they're good people. It's like, I hate that. I hate that energy. But maybe that still stands today. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's just like, this is in the history books. We were not as good and understanding people back then. Okay, that's kind of the joke, is that our parents' <laughs> generation were a little born judgmental. Okay, we would never do that. But it's hard to watch. And then they make it all better. They're good. All's well that ends well. This girl has a new father figure in her life who's going to yell at her whenever she needs it. And she's like, I'm good with that. I like that. Yeah. She's like, I, I definitely needed that dad energy. So cute. Yeah. Yeah. I liked how it ended. It was just the police station scene that it, it was too much. It was too hard. <laughs> too much for too long. Like, cut it short. Mm -hmm. Please give us just the two parents. It's too much already with just them. Yeah. If you add a dean of students in there, you've gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> They're good at rolling things back, though. Like, they have the dean of students at the end be like, I didn't bring a prosecutor, I brought a gym teacher. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I know these girls were terrified, but I hope they can sort of get a laugh out of that eventually. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> can these be recurring characters in the neighborhood, though? Like, let's just, let's just have some cute... New sister vibes. I love that. Shake things up. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I think that that's really cute. I liked that they talked about dyeing hair together at the end. I was I was really stoked about that little connection they had where Duxon was like, I've just been, I've been trying. I couldn't even tell what she was dyeing her hair with. Beer. Was it beer? I didn't know that that, I guess I can see how that could damage your hair enough to lighten the color. Yeah. I think... It's, I don't know what chemicals are in beer, but I've heard that. I've heard that it can lighten your hair. But, uh, I don't know why it stressed me out to watch just a poor person use all their dad's beer to lighten their hair. But I was like, yo, alcohol is important to your parents. <laughs> <laughs> don't waste it all. Don't waste four full bottles on your hair. Yeah, she went hard. Just really really hard with that beer yeah yeah i also got nervous because then i was like that they followed that scene up immediately with the did you take money out of my wallet scene yeah um and so i thought that she had to pay for, for the, beer. the beer yeah or something i don't know how she would have gotten it but no. i don't know yeah because they aren't allowed to buy liquor at 18. But even being like, Dad, I'll give you this money if you let me use this beer sort of situation. Yeah. It just made me nervous. <laughs> oh, Yeah, I didn't care for it. <laughs> it was very teenage stuff. I dyed my hair with yeah. Kool-Aid in my teenage years. Yeah, I, um, I, at one point when I was 17, cut off all of my very long hair, so it was very short hair. It was pretty much like a buzz cut, and then I dyed it fire engine red. So, <laughs> is that the only time we've ever made our dyed choices? your hair? Um, 
Yes, sort of. Right now, the ends have some blonde in it, but um, I don't keep up with hair dye, and so I shouldn't be... Oh, I also dyed it dark when it was short, too, just because, like, why not? Why not also do, like, a brunette while it's short and going to be growing out? But those... Oh, also in middle school, I dyed my hair, like, that really dark, like, almost purplish red... Um, like a, like a burgundy, and I let the roots grow out and get real hideous, (laughs) because I, it was like my emo phase, right? So I wanted like, dark, like, I wanted to look like Jean Grey, because I was bad at being an emo and really good at being an accidental nerd, and so of course I wanted to look like an (laughs) X-Men. That's so cool. Yeah. So that, those have been my like, phases of having dyed hair, but I- don't keep up with it well enough to do anything other than, like, highlights as an adult, because then I would just have, like, I don't know, like, six months worth of root growth or something. Six to twelve months of root growth uh, at all times. That's fair. (laughs) Immediately, because it grows so fast. Wow. It's just crazy. You just have the prettiest hair. I'm so jealous of people with naturally red hair, because I'm like, it's just, it sounds so nice. (laughs) I think that in my mind, you just do have naturally red hair. Like, the hair color you have right now is natural and to me. And it's like a, like a reddish brown, mm-hmm. which is also technically what my hair is. But uh, did I tell you about the way my hair person, my hairstylist, my hairdresser? I don't, I don't know what the proper terminology is for that. No, I feel really bad. She, like, super hurt my feelings. I feel like I've already told this story on the podcast so, when she she completely unknowingly told me that I had dark blonde or light brown hair um, and did not reference that I have red in my hair at all because my hair is like t- definitely like lost a lot of the red that it used to have when I was younger. Wow. And so if I'm not in the sun, it's pretty much imperceptible that there's red in it. If I'm in the sun, you can like it's got like a red shine to it, but... Other than that, um, I think people do not see me as a redhead. So it's That's like so crazy. It, it's very uplifting for me that you view me as a redhead. <laughs> I will never not. You will always be a redhead in my eyes. And same with you to me. Ah, that's what happens when you start dyeing your hair at twelve. You're just like everyone I ever meet forever now will not know what my hair looks like. It's gonna be red. It's gonna be what I choose. It's red. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's very empowering, I guess. The choices we make are important. They define us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. I feel like now I'm giving myself a lecture. Should you have started dyeing your hair at 12? I don't know. The choices we make are important. Yes. No, I love it. (laughs) You're a redhead. Honorary redhead, as far as I'm concerned. Together, we can just be the you're a redhead in my head. Uh, in my eyes, crew. <laughs> That'll be our our team T-shirts. Yeah. Team, you're um, a redhead. team, you're a redhead. What else happened in this show, though? Because now, I, like I said, I could live in it forever, but I yeah. can't remember anything about it. Should we? Should I give you my favorite scenes now? My two favorite scenes mm. that I I made Jason rewatch them with me. <laughs> 100% I'm ready. I don't know if he cares about 
I don't know if he's as obsessed with take as I am, so maybe he wasn't like as enthralled. But in the scene where Duck Sun is dancing and she does the yes. little lasso and takes so excited. <laughs> he's so happy. He just starts laughing and I just want that boy to be happy all the time. I was like a feral in that moment. I was not myself. <laughs> I w- <laughs> I don't know what came over me. I felt joy like I had not felt in a long time. <laughs> Just keep like 10 se- seconds giving back to uh-huh. rewatch it because I did that a couple. I did do that twice because I just his his little smile and how excited he is. And I love that it was it was Jiaxun being like right on the tails of Jiang Rong telling us that that like girls will only act goofy in front of you if they don't like you. And so obviously, like, Chung Hwan was super bummed about it and being <laughs> such a dick. And then to ha- just have, like, take a walk in and be like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's that's my favorite thing. That was so sweet. That was so fucking sweet. I died. It was so sweet. And, okay, that scene where she picks him up from the academy... And she just gets in line to, like, shake his hand. <laughs> and they have the just cutest little interaction ever. And everybody's just like, that's his girlfriend. And you're like, ah, yep. he ruined her first date. <laughs> but they're they're kind of together in my eyes. Thanks, Baduk Academy. You guys get it. Yep, yep. Oh, that was so cute. I loved also that she lined up and also the scene right before it, which is disgusting, but (laughs) hilarious because she's standing at like a bus stop with her full open goddamn mouth against the side (laughs) of the glass. It's the absolutely horrific. So filthy. Hilarious, though. So funny. Hilarious. She is the funniest person. I love her endlessly. And the yeah, she saw her friend come out and she's like, ah, I know what I'm gonna do. And yeah, just lines up. Just <laughs> waits for him to realize it's her. Like, hey. Hey, where the hell is your bag? Go get your bag. Damn it, take. <laughs> Someone's like, I'll get your bag. She's like, no, you will not. Look at him. He's been sitting all day. He needs to go get it. He'll be fine. Don't get it for him. <laughs> All right, see you soon. (laughs) So cute. (laughs) I feel like it sort of made up for the fact that one of the biggest cliffhangers in this show was him asking her on a date. And then them not only not giving us the date, but being like, we didn't give it to you because he ruined it. He completely ruined it. He ruined it. He fell asleep. He didn't sleep for two days straight. (laughs) And then he, uh, (laughs) and then he, he, he just ruined it. He ruined it. Um, Yeah. I was. Yeah, I thought it was kind of sweet the way you ruined it. It's one of those things where if it happens a lot, you might be kind of bummed, but it's kind of a cute thing to be like, yeah, on our first date, he just kind of fell asleep, but he was happy to be there, so that's good. I think it worked because it didn't seem like she thought it was a date. She was very much like, we're going to movies alone, as you would. And if he had built it up to be like, this is your first date, and then falling asleep, like crushing that is crushing but it i think they both approached it of like this could be something but it probably isn't and then he just falls asleep and it isn't so it's fine she can be just regular mad at him and be like i enjoyed the movie this loser did not and so it's good it's all good for now we want them to take that next step but it hasn't happened yet 
only yeah. in my brain. Yeah, it's really tough, uh, the way the love triangle is rolling out, too, because now I just don't even know how to feel, because there's all of those scenes with Take that are perfection, that I feel so good about, that are, like, really solid. Like, the first date she didn't know was a date. Uh, we've got the secret Santa that I actually kind of liked that he forgot, but then, like, they had a little moment where she remembered, like, there's more important things than secret Santa, and he, like, he's good for it, right? Like, he may, he he's gonna make up for it. I thought that that was really sweet. I, I loved all of their interactions that we got throughout all of these two, these last two episodes. And it's interesting, too, because if you had asked me before watching these two episodes, even though, like, I, I was conflicted in a different way, where I loved everything they were doing with the Jung Hwan side of, like, the love story, uh, where I, I, like, really felt it, right? Like, I, I liked him, and I, I wanted, I liked all of their interactions together, too, and all of the, like, small ways he notices things about her and does things for her that she can't even pick up on because she's so oblivious to it. <laughs> there were parts of that that I really liked. But through these two episodes, uh, it's tough because it's like, I didn't dislike any of their interactions immensely, but I wasn't as sold on them as I have been in the past. But also, like, I don't know, there's a lot of stuff I did like, like him still getting her the gloves to be sure that she got something on Christmas, and um, him showing up for her when he thought it was just her at McDonald's. Um, her friends but still, in like, that scene. hanging oh, out. Yeah. Me. They're... They're ridiculous. I do love them, but they are ridiculous. I do love that she was finally like, you guys need to stop telling me <laughs> that all of my guy friends are in love with me, because you wrecked my shit last time. <laughs> oh, and they're like, no, we're not going to do that. Thank you. Because we, we have a good one we, this time. We know it. He pretty much said it to our faces. He said all but that. And then he said it to her face at the end. I liked that, too, when he, like, grabbed her face or, like, when he uh, took the earbud from her. Like, there's little cute moments still, but they didn't sell it as hard in these two episodes. They said, we're gonna make it harder for you by selling the take storyline a lot harder this time around. So that now you don't know how to feel no matter what, because yes, you want Take to only have good things because he's such a good boy, but up until now, you were on the Jung Hwan ship. But now you might not be on the Jung Hwan ship because it's Take, first of all, and also look at how G-Dang cute he is. He's so G-Dang cute! But I think sometimes his interactions with Duck Sun, maybe just the the bag one where she picks him up from the academy is sticking out to me because I just talked about it. But sometimes they can feel where, like, she's momming him, and I don't need bit, that. Yeah. I don't need that from his relationship. Yeah, less mom energy, more, like, cute, flirty, sweet. Like, the dance scene. That yes. was perfect. So it's like, okay, that's a big turnoff for me in terms of what I look for in my K-drama ships. So I'm still more on the Jung Hwan team because he doesn't need that energy. They have a very, like, cats and dogs energy about them. And I'm way more into mm -hmm. that. They're fighting as equals rather than Duck Sun, like, telling Take how to be a person. You're like, it's necessary yeah. sometimes, but also makes it less romantic. 
and more just like, you guys are cute friends. It's cute. Friends tell each other how to behave and how to keep track of themselves. It's ironic coming from the girl who lost the camera on day one that she's yelling (laughs) at people about leaving their bags behind. But you know, we learn and then we pass things on to others. Yeah, I and I like when the the other guys give some mom energy to take, like when Jung Hwan fully like wiped off Take's face while they were eating at the food stand. Yeah. And then Take just smiles about it. He's just like, ah, thanks. It's <laughs> so cute. Yeah, that good boy is adorable. Oh my god. All four of the boys together. I am obsessed with their little sleepovers. Like, yes. why is that so cute to me? The, yeah, the, like every weekend, no fail, they're all s- having a sleepover at Take's house. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not like doing pure things. They're not being sweet little boys talking secrets or whatever. But like, it is, in my mind, it's very sweet and pure and they've got good vibes and I love it for them. Oh, and yeah. I love that they include Take because he needs that. <laughs> he needs yes. some normalcy. I... Yeah, I really like that he has his friends. And I also like that Take... So the thing with Take that I was really worried about when they did the His Dad Has a Hard Time with I Love You's storyline was that they set that up with the one... And obviously intentionally, but they set that up with the one kid that only, like, that has the one parent that can't say I love you, right? Because his mom has passed away, and so he's only got his dad as, like, the role model for how to show affection, and his dad can't do it. (laughs) Like, not even because he doesn't feel it or because he's not good to take in so many ways, but, like, he can't be vulnerable because it's just not something he's done before and, like, really struggles with it. And so that whole storyline was a little bit tough because I'm like, is take going to be able to be vulnerable with people and sweet and tell them he loves them. And then he was the first one to say it to his dad. He came home on his birthday and he was like, I got you a present. You know I love you, right, dad? And it was so good that that good boy, even with as as good as his dad is, even without having, you know, like that assurance of, you know, I love you being said out loud in words and having that that vulnerability, he's still capable of it. He's still so endlessly good and can be vulnerable with people, and I love it. I think that whole storyline was one of my favorite things in this show, but, like, maybe also ever. My husband and I talked about it for so long after we watched that episode, because it hit hard. I don't think I considered as much takes side which is fair to be like, he's just the one not receiving and I love you. And it's as simple as that. Boy needs to hear it. And it's very cool that Reporter Park steps in and is like, it is that simple. We're going to go black and white. You just need to tell him you love him. I'm going to make you do it, even if it's uncomfortable. But I love how many perspectives you get from Take's dad, where it's not just like, I think my... Jace was saying, like, it's not as simple as I can't be vulnerable. It's not masculine to show, like, to say I love you. You think it's going to be that? You think it's going to be this, like, toxic masculinity storyline? And then it's his dad thinking I don't deserve to say I love you because I'm not good enough. And, like, 
you deserve so much more. You deserve the whole world, my little boy. And I can't give you any of that. I can only give you me. And then I love you would just limit you. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> Takes yeah. that. Wrecked. Absolutely wrecked. And yeah, like that whole, like, the moment he says, you're all I have, also, is very telling of where he's at as far as he's got his one kid, he lost his wife, and he's still, like, yeah, just struggles to feel like he's done enough when he's done so much and been so present for his kid in a lot, in, in the ways he knows how he always shows up. And I love that they also had his friends being like, um, when Dexon's dad says, it wouldn't matter if he has 10 parents. You love him enough, like, to, like, you love him as, you love him as much as 10 parents would, you know, like, you, it, you love him and you raised him well. And, like, that's, you've done it all right. And, like, I, I loved that moment of vulnerability between the dads also of, like, yes. he could let them know that he feels like he hasn't provided enough for his son and they could reassure him like fr from their own perspective as fathers that y you have loved him through all of this like you've done a great job that was one of the best scenes also there were so many good scenes in, this so in these episodes Jiding. like the dads together and then the moms together wait we'll, we'll interim with all of the parents together making the snowman because i feel like that oh whole storyline was pure and good and sweet, but also simple. We'll just put, like, a little pin in that and come back to the moms all watching this woman prepare for her son's next heart surgery of many and how strong she's being and getting these facials being, being told, like, you've never suffered a day in your life. You're the luckiest woman who's ever lived. Clearly, you've never felt stress and... They're just like, we're really proud of you for how strong you are. You are, you have suffered a lot. Your suffering is valid and we hold it in our hearts and we are here for you whenever you need you. You're very strong and we're very proud of you. And it's just like, oh, I love so it. Good. And she gives it back. She's very much like, I can, I know that you're still in that struggle and I know you'll be out of it someday, but I see you, and I acknowledge you as well. <laughs> Whoa. Women supporting women. Women supporting women. <laughs> oh. That episode killed me. Jung Bong's yeah. surgery, Jung Bong, is just, like, being so scared, and his mom being so stoic, and the doctor being such an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time until it he wasn't. It all comes together. <laughs> it all comes together. Finally, yeah, that it was. It was bumming me out that the doctor's bedside manner was such trash because it was so obvious that one of his patients was in crisis, and like the old, and his parents were just like begging for a lifeline for so long and finally when he sees the mom sitting alone crying in the middle of the night he's like you know what i've done bad i've done a bad <laughs> job i think we've just watched so many medical dramas that part of me is like but that's how some doctors are and not even that's how some doctors are but like that's how they learn because they're also people they are also 
walking into a room and saying like, I can't tell you I'm going to be perfect and everything's going to be great and your son's going to be fine because that just might not be true. And I can't just lie to you people. That's not my job. I'm also going into this with the best of my capabilities, but making no promises. And it's like, okay, but sometimes that's not what people need to hear. And maybe your job is a little bit to lie. And he finally learns that. And we're like, God dang it, we've got another character on the roster. Welcome, doctor, (laughs) to the show. You want to come over for dinner sometime? (laughs) We love you. Welcome to the family. And yeah, the the end when he just says, um, I won't see you guys for a long time because it was so successful that like they've got 10 years before they even have to consider another surgery. And that's just, it's all very good. It's all very good. Oh, I can't be a mom anymore because now moms in K-dramas make me break like nothing. Like nothing. I am freaking, I am cotton candy in a raccoon's (laughs) hands moving towards a puddle rapidly when they put a mom on the screen who's like, my son's first open heart surgery was when he was like, what, six or ten? Or whatever. And I'm like, I can't imagine how terrifying that would be. And even looking at this 20-something young man going into his third heart surgery, I I just know that mom's looking at him as her six-year-old boy going in for the first time all over again. And like, <laughs> and she just has to put on a brave face. But she's so scared. And, and tell him she's not even scared. I'm not even scared. I'm, I'm not, not scared. Worried. So you shouldn't be scared. You can't be scared. And she's so scared. <laughs> we're all scared now. We're all scared. No, we're all scared and crying. Oh, medical dramas get me every time. Reply, you're not supposed to be a medical drama. You can't do this to us. They freak me out. Um, What really wrecked me also, and it was nice that it similarly wrecked Jung Hwan, was when (laughs) Jung Bong asked if how his nose was doing, if it was going to be okay, right after surgery. (laughs) He's still loopy from the anesthesia, and he comes out and he says, hey, baby bro, how's that nose doing? (laughs) I can't with the goodness of these people. I can't anymore. They're all so good. This, Every single character. I don't want any of them to ever be sad or hurt. This or is afraid. supposed to be a simple show. I don't this know was, what's going this was, on. Can it be 100% feel good? Or do we just have to be hurt a little bit so that they can bring us back up by the end? <laughs> they keep hurting us so they can bring us back up. Like, hurt us with the me- melting of the snowman. We don't really care about that. That's the type of hurt yeah. you can bring. And they're like, no, no, no. That's no, 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 no. Just... And then the comedy of finding out that she never meant a snowman. You fools. You fools. What a sweet <laughs> and silly misunderstanding. Just ask her brother. He knows literally everything. Yeah. He is very, very involved in her thought processes. <laughs> Oh, these two episodes are so good. Wholesome and good. <laughs> Thank you to the big four, Buddha, Allah, God, and Santa, <laughs> for bringing this show to us. <laughs> we- <laughs> Nothing but love and respect from us. <laughs> Why did they put those four together? 
they are. They're the four deities. <laughs> the four nations. <laughs> <laughs> Everything changed when Santa attacked. <laughs> oh no. Now I'm getting into Avatar oh. lore. <laughs> what a wild ride. Oh, yeah, I just love sometimes when monologues are like, Probably a lot deeper if you have, like, the context of the understood, like, of, of speaking the native language that they're being given in, and you're just reading a translation. Or maybe, maybe, like, a native Korean, like, someone who natively speaks Korean also said, why the fuck did you put those four together? <laughs> Who's to say? Not me. <laughs> but reading those subtitles was wild, for sure. I like to imagine that that's what writing K-dramas is all about, especially if you're going to do a voiceover at the end of each episode, that you're like, these have to just hit home and be lessons that people take with them for the rest of their lives. That's a lot of pressure. I like to think there's some of them that they're just like, this is complete bullshit and I don't know what I'm saying. And it's just going to be whatever comes to mind. Whatever I can think of. What was the lesson we learned? It's like when I go on the 10-minute rant, like I did in the uh, pre-chat, pre-show chat that will be published on Patreon. Um, and then I summarize it at the end. I'm like, okay, so I think after that rant is what we've learned. It's never thought out. It's never like, I know what I'm going to learn this episode. Absolutely not. It's like, let's do some shit. And then look back and be like, all right, what's what after school special monologue do we need to put here? <laughs> this week we learned about the four deities. And that's what we're taking away from these episodes. And I love it. I'm here for it. I fully support the writers of Reply 1988 in that choice. Yeah, they own me. They own my whole brain. They're the best part of the week. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any other points you want before we wrap up? Um. I think I'm all set. Oh, there's one thing that has happened in every episode, and I keep telling myself I'm going to bring it up on the podcast. It's not a big thing. It's not a talking point. It's just how much I love that Jinja is always eating food constantly. Like, everyone is always like, here's a giant sweet. And by, like, the end of the scene, it's gone. She just, like, inhales it. They they did it a lot more in the early episodes where they were like, here's this giant fish candy. And then it, like, pans back to Jinja and she's got, like, a tiny piece of fish candy left. <laughs> or, like, people are always trying to steal bites of her food and she's always like, uh, you can fuck right off, actually. Um, this is mine. So. <laughs> and, uh, I can't wait to see every, every episode, I can't wait to see what Jinja will be inhaling. <laughs> I in love the her. She's I love so good. her. Oh, that's a cute kid. Oh, okay. Good shout out. Good shout out. And with that, if you want to email us, we're at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. And we read and love every single email. They make our whole lives. We're so happy for everyone who's ever emailed us. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. You are perfection. You are the wind beneath our wings. Completely. Thank you. And also, thank you to our patrons on Patreon. Uh, our current patrons who have been subscribing and helping to keep the lights on, if you're interested in checking out our Patreon, we we have some offerings. They, they may be meager, but they're fun. We do uh, pre-chat at the top of every episode, and then we publish it all together on our Patreon, so you get, like, 
These days, it's been getting out of hand. It's like a solid 30 minutes just about every week that we just uh, shoot the shit. We talk about whatever, and it's really fun. And so if you're interested in that, you can find us on patreon.com slash playonk, and there's also a link on our website. Yeah! You can find our website at playonk.com, which hosts all of our episodes. You can leave comments directly on the episodes there. You can find links to all of our affiliates. And of course, sign up for our newsletter so you never miss when we start a new drama. Yeah, and then uh, we do have the absolute freest freest way to support us, which is just leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to us, uh, wherever you tend to find us throughout the week. It really helps us out. It helps other K-Drama podcast listeners find us. Yeah, and you can always find us on social media at Instagram. We are at Play on K Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Play on K. And on TikTok, we're at Play on K underscore Emily. Yeah. And then um, I think that's just about it, right? So join us next week for the next two episodes of Reply 1988. (gasps) Okay, bye. Okay, bye.